Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 136 of the show. My name's Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on with you this week, dude? Uh, it's hitting me, man. Been out yeah. in the sun a lot. Um, getting back home around like 6 to 7 now. It's just workloads getting crazy. And it's not even because of like we have a abundant amount of stuff. I mean, we do, but... It's just um, we have a bunch of new people in the office and we're trying to catch them up to speed and you couldn't have possibly joined at a worse time to learn about how everything works. So, I mean, hours are hours, making good money, time and a half, double time. So, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. That's good. That's that's what we like to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I have I have the week off, actually. I have. Um, oh, wow. I have a wedding this weekend. So I took uh, took uh, the weekend off. I've been off since. I guess Sunday. Today's Thursday. So it's mm-hmm. kind of been nice. Been been just chilling and uh, playing a little bit of golf. I tried to get out today, but it was so packed at the course that I only played nine holes. And I was I got paired up with three other guys who uh, just just weren't weren't great so um i hate to be you know like shitting on other people but uh when your your lack of attention to your own game starts to slow things down for other people i think uh it can be it can be an issue so uh that was that was not great but i did uh i did go out to dinner so it's been it's been a nice day i mean you can't complain about about that kind of stuff um yeah yeah so this is this is the um sort of end of season award show um i think this is probably going to be a shorter episode matt and i were supposed to record last night but shit just got crazy so we pushed it to tonight it's going to be more of an informal episode don't think we're going to go um violently in depth uh matt is a is a stats guy he's always got a little bit more to to back up his points than i do (laughs) but um we're gonna go ahead and jump into it we got a couple categories for you here i'm gonna read those off and then uh i'll hand it over to matt to, to give the first award we have player of the year manager of the year best young player best goal best transfer worst transfer and then sleeper of the year for the guy who didn't get enough credit but actually had a killer year um, so Matt, tell me who is your player of the year? I know those awards have, have been given out already, but I'm, I'm curious to see where you're at. Yeah. I kind of, over the past couple of days, have just been compiling like a list of candidates for each one and been looking in detail at their stats and what it's not so about, it's not a hundred percent based off of whoever had the most goals, assists, wins, whatever. I kind of take into account how they finished the year, what they meant to their team, um, and how far they got them to where they are now. So um, we know Kevin De Bruyne won the actual award that was voted on. Yep. Um, he's up there for me and my four guys I have here. I have De Bruyne, Salah, Trent, and Son. And I'd have to lean towards Son because of what it means for Tottenham. Um, joint top goal scorer with Salah with 23. He also registered seven assists. Um that final run at the end of the year, he was an integral part, um, along with Kulisevsky and Kane, obviously. Um, but yeah, I think just what what it meant for Spurs getting back into the Champions League, and especially um, getting it um, right over on Arsenal again um, on the final one of the final days is just sweet for him. And uh, on a personal note for him too, to have such a, probably his best year ever. Yeah. 
Um, mine is also Sun. I actually wasn't expecting you to have him there. I figured maybe you would uh, opt to go with, with Salah. It was very yeah. tight for me uh, between KDB and Sun. I know that, that Salah did... Um, I think he was probably second in the voting for uh, for the Premier League yeah. award, and and I think yep. that's probably fair. Uh, giving the edge to to KDB was in, an interesting decision, just because of the fact that he doesn't didn't have as many goals as as Salah did. Um, but I think genuinely the impact that Son has on Tottenham you can measure more clearly than the impact that. Mo Salah and KDB have on their respective clubs just because the talent level at those clubs is so much higher. Really, if you look at the forwards for Tottenham, that's where everything is is done. Um, and this year, Son just turned up the goal scoring. I mean, he scored so much, he assisted so much, but he can play all over the pitch. And I just think that his impact really um, in those big games is is what enabled them to to get that last Champions League spot and like Matt said get that last uh, last win over Arsenal which pretty much um, sealed their their Champions League berth uh, and and for me it's it's 100% him I mean KDB had an incredible season I, I don't have any issues um, with him getting that award you have to remember that he was out for a few weeks he he had an injury yeah. at the beginning of the season and he was still. Uh, able to score 19 goals and, and 13 assists in all comps, which we we are essentially you know factoring in. He was he was incredible uh, across the league, and we didn't have we didn't see Son in in the Champions League this year, but um, he was he was so so good for Tottenham this year, and and he wins my award too for sure. Yeah, and I think just considering those other guys we mentioned, just if the caliber of players they have around them, um, they can get the job done and make up for that loss. But I think if you take Sun out of the picture, That's there's not there's very few guys that can pick up that slack being Harry Kane. Um, I, don't, I don't think Kulisevsky is that guy that can score 12 to 15 goals yet. He's been more of a provider, Lucas as well. But yeah, I think just Sun and Kane is all they really have and that he really stepped up from this year. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then manager of the year is up next. This one I think is is really really tough. Um, yeah, I have five on my short list. I have five. I I don't have five, but I do have three. And I feel remiss in not going and saying that it was Klopp because I think genuinely it is. Uh, Liverpool's congestion in terms of fixtures and their squad rotation, I just don't think would have been as good under any other manager in the Prem. I think Klopp is so integral to the way that that team plays. There is such a connection between him, his staff, and his players, and you don't see it even in other clubs where where the manager is so important. I mean, look at Pep at, at City. He is clearly part of the fiber of that club, but Klopp has been so embraced by all of the supporters and all of the players in Liverpool. I think it's just, it would be unfair to give it to anybody else this season, despite Liverpool being up for the quad and only winning two two of those trophies and arguably the, the two pretty much meaningless trophies. Um, I still think that this was an incredible season, and I still think the chase that they were able to put down on City uh, despite being behind a ton of points at Christmas, was just unbelievable. I don't think many other managers are capable of rallying the troops like that. And sure, Liverpool has an incredible team, but that's partially because Klopp 
had his eye on these guys, brought these guys in. The signing of Luis Diaz was essentially all Klopp. He wanted him. He picked him out. Look at him. He came in and was incredible. I just think Klopp has an unbelievable eye for talent, uh, a, a super talent in rotation and picking his teams, knowing what they need and when they need it in certain matchups. And this year, he he really showed that, as he's shown in many years in the past. He did win it um, in nineteen twenty, the year that did Liverpool win the league that year. Yeah, right. What year? Oh yeah, uh, nineteen twenty. Yeah, it was the the start of the COVID year. Yeah. Yep, yep, and they won the league that year. So this is another masterclass, um, I think. So I'm giving it the clout. Yeah, he's definitely in my top two. I'd say the honorary. Fourth and fifth would go to Graham Potter for Brighton, getting Brighton to ninth finish, ninth place finish, highest they've ever gotten with the squad that he had. He he created guys like Danny Welbeck to come out of nowhere, put in great goals, scored against Chelsea, I think, in both games. Um, even when other guys were falling down, he made the signing of Cucurella, who is up there for transfer of the year. Yeah. Um, as well as Eddie Howe for Newcastle, I think when he came in, he can't he couldn't have come into a worse situation. Um, similar to how Frank Lampard came into Everton, it was a relegation battle. Um, he had a pretty bare bones squad, picked up a few injuries with um, Callum Wilson there, so very weak up front. And then um, I don't think he could have gotten any more fortunate than to have the Saudis come in and bring in that money. So maybe I shouldn't give him all the credit because he kind of got bailed out, but still. He brought in the right players to fit his system, so I guess I can't take too much credit away from him. So um, those two guys would be fourth and fifth for me. Antonio Conte, similar to how Son was, I think him coming in, taking control of the helm with a, a tough guy to work with and Daniel Levy um, to still get fourth place with the limited amount of trust and funds that he got um, is a sensational job. But I think I'm going to have to just go opposite you there and go with Pep. I think just... Mm-hmm. Four out of five years winning the winning the league, it's the most competitive league in the world. Um, the most eyes are on it. All play all the players in the world want to play in that league, and for what he's created, and it's pretty much turned into a dynasty at this point. Um, over the past decade, they've won six out of the last ten. I'm pretty sure it's just incredible, and he's been a part of half of those, over half of those. It's it's just incredible, and yeah, I think Klopp making that title race putting the title race back on throughout the mid to end middle part to the end of the year um couldn't have been any better and i think it just solidified pep as um one of the best to manage in the league yeah i i mean i agree i think pep, you could argue both ways you could and i've been i was critical of of pep i called him a fraud last not last week but a few weeks ago when we were talking about that gigantic uh, explosion they had against Madrid in, in the Champions League semi. Um, but he is an unbelievable manager, and he's done so much at pretty much every single club he's been at. Uh, of course, we do have to consider that he's been at three of the biggest clubs in the world. Um, he's helped City sort of gain that mantle for sure yeah. uh, with his work there. But Bayern and, and Barcelona, well-established clubs far before Pep uh, showed up on the doorstep there. Probably the peak of those clubs. Yeah, but I agree. He he was there for probably their best years. Um, so we we have to give him credit, and I think it's it's totally reasonable to to say that Pep was the manager of the year. Of course, Klopp did win it. 
Um, I feel strange going with the the odds on favorite there, but uh, that chase that they they put down on City, I thought was just unbelievable to watch. It looked like at any minute they were just gonna leapfrog leapfrog City and and all of the the dreams would be over for them. But um, City somehow held on, and I think that does have a lot to do with Pep. Okay, um, let us move on. We have, what is up next? I believe we're at best young player, so I'll let you lead off here. We're probably going to have the same pick, but my top four right now would be um, Anthony Gordon for Everton, four yeah. goals, two assists. I think him coming onto the scene out of nowhere, a uh, local guy there for Everton. You don't see a lot of them, especially for a club like Everton. Um, the impact he had on the team with his energy and just that the the culture and just the being in that environment from a young age to play for his club is a good sign to see and I think he did a good job for his first um, inaugural season in in, act, in action I guess um, Jacob Ramsey for Aston Villa probably get third for me six goals one assist I think there was a stretch in there where he kind of found his form and really opened things up for Gerard and was a nice bright spot, just kind of how Gordon was. But um, Coutinho came in and kind of took over that role that he was playing. So um, he kind of lost some lost some contributions there, but still was always in the in the first 11 whenever Gerard needed him. And then top two between Saka and Foden. Yeah. Um, Saka, I think, uh, was it Foden won this year, back-to-back years. Nine goals, five assists. I think still getting those numbers in a, a highly contested city team is impressive numbers. I mean, you look at KDB winning player of the year, 15 goals, eight assists just in the league. It's still good. And Foden's probably going to be there for the rest of his career if we have to think about it. I don't see him having wanting to leave ever um, as long as Pep's there. It'll be interesting to see who the new manager is once Pep leaves. But um, I have to give the award to Saka. Eleven goals, seven assists. He he had Arsenal on the precipice of Champions League football again. It was just too much pressure for him at the end of the day. There wasn't enough of a veteran presence in that team to really get them across that line. Um, they have such a young team, heavily on the front end of the pitch going forward towards the goal. I mean, um, the guy's only twenty-one and coming off a year, coming at, off a summer where. He couldn't have gotten any more abuse um, for the Euro final, unfortunately. Um, None of that shit should have been acceptable. But still, coming back and having a year... The year that he did was very impressive, and I have to give the award to him. Yep, it's uh, it's soccer for me, too. I don't think that's... That's probably not a surprise to anybody. I mean, if you put Phil Foden up against soccer, I think uh, one of those players is more dynamic. And I know Foden may have... He probably will wind up the the more decorated player just because he's at a club that um, is more set up for success currently. Uh, I think he'll just have such a head start in terms of silverware and, and that sort of accomplishment. But I think Sokka is a far more dynamic player. I think although Foden can play a few different positions, Sokka is extremely good on the wings. He's so, so sharp. He's quick. His first touch is incredible. His control of the ball is good. His finishing, I think, is uh, really good for his age. He's only 20 years old. We talked about um, you know, him coming off of an extremely disappointing end uh, to the Euro, suffering that abuse, really challenging mentally for him. I know all of those players struggled mentally after that. 
Um, so to come in to this season, despite having a slow start, uh, register 11 goals and seven assists, I think was, was very impressive. This was, uh, Saka's season. I think without him, he, he's, he's really become the, the talisman at Arsenal, in my opinion. Um, he's a little young to be club captain, but I, I would love to see a guy like him wearing the armband. He's, he's so integral to the way that Arsenal play. Um, and he's, he's just part of the DNA there right now. So, um, his performances this season, I think he was just so sharp, so good on the ball and, um, really the, the, the young player of the year by, by a comfortable margin. I don't know how Foden won it, but it's soccer for me. Okay. Um, let's move on to the next one. We're coming up on the last couple, uh, topics here. We have best goal. Now this one probably going to be, uh, a little bit more varied. There's a couple that come to mind. Uh, I'm curious to see if Matt's is the same as mine. I hope it's not. I think it probably is. It was, um, the, it, the most solo one against City was a pretty decent one. I think all the videos I saw that was probably ranked the best. Yeah. Um, receiving the ball and little ticky talk through four City defenders and then putting it past Ederson um, in such a heated game and I ended up being a draw was a monumental goal. But I have to go with the Kovacic goal against Liverpool. Oh, it was a screamer. Just the, the off a corner comes out, just the ball couldn't have fallen any higher from the sky and he just hits it first time crane kick off the post. Just one of those goals that he'll, no one will ever be able to, um, what's the word to recreate, um, ever on a pitch or just on a training field, wherever it's just one of those things where it was a once in a lifetime thing that, um, I'll never forget. And, it eventually led to Pulisic scoring, and we ended up tying that game, too, against them. So, um, yeah, I have to go with that one. Yeah, that was an incredible goal. Mine, strangely enough, is actually uh, it's actually Wilf Zaha. His goal against Norwich on February yeah. 9th, it was, uh, he was he had the ball out on the flank. He cut in, beat the defender. He was right on the edge of the 18, and he just squared his body up, tucked it into the top right corner. I thought that was an incredible strike. Wilf Zaha had a lot of really, really good goals this season, although his stats were padded by penalties because uh, he was the penalty taker for Palace this season. He had a lot of really good goals in games, um, a couple of them towards the end there that were really important. There was another one where he just he, he shot the ball while he, his back was still turned to the net. Um, and just scooped his entire body around, snuck it into the left corner. That was an incredible goal. Um, but I remember watching this one, this Norwich Palace game, an uneventful game, but this was an unbelievable strike. Um, yeah. Just absolutely laced. That was my goal of the season. I didn't, I didn't want to go with um, with the the solid goal. I mean, I know that was incredible, but these sorts of goals that are just ripped. Uh, have always appealed to me more. I think it's because we we grew up uh, in the period of Ronaldo and in the period of Wayne Rooney. Rooney's one of my favorite players ever because of the long shots that he used to score. Those yeah. goals where it's just absolutely scorched and you can tell when it comes off the boot uh, are my favorite sorts of goals to watch, and, and that's what this Wolf Zaha goal was. Yeah, I give an honorary mention to uh, Josh Sargent's back heel. Against yeah, that was, that was a great one, too. 
over the head. Uh, Guimaraes, when he first came, also had a back heel. Um, Cholobos was up there the first game yeah. against Palace. Uh, Rudiger's absolute annihilation against Brentford. Um, and like an old school one, freaking uh, Victor Wanyama for Spurs. He hits screamers and yeah. RIP Czech Chiote. Oh man, it breaks my heart that he, he died so early. He was incredible. It really was. Yeah. Uh, those are type of goals. I, I know what you mean. Yeah, another another uh, honorable mention for me was Ronaldo versus Spurs. That, oh, was, yeah. that was a game in March. Hat trick. Oh my God! I think it was, I don't know what goal it was. I don't know if it, it was, was the fir- his it was, first. It was the first one. Yeah, it Fred was just absolutely destroyed. The ball got played in on a really cheeky back heel, and Ronaldo just lined up from I don't know maybe it was probably almost twenty five and just ripped it. The keeper was Larice was sleeping, and it was an yeah. incredible strike. That was another one that I was considering. So cool. Um, we'll move on to you guys can of course go ahead and, and look at some of these goals. I, I looked at a couple compilations. It was actually cool um to just go back and, and sort of relive all of all of the action. I do miss the Prem so much already. It's it's tough. I was watching yeah. it and I was I was a little frustrated that we're not gonna be able to to, to see this sort of, you know, organized league football for, for quite some time at this yeah. point. When I see those goals, it just takes me back to that time and those episodes. I kind of think back to what we were saying at yeah. that point in the year and to get to where the point we are now, just how far the, the league can develop. I know. Yeah, it's true. Um, okay, so up next, we have best transfer of the year. I think this one's going to be really interesting. I'm I'm curious to see um, how, you're, yeah. how you're taking this one on because yeah, these ones are very more subjective. These are subjective for sure. Yeah, I have six guys on my short list. Okay, um, the guys that I'm, I think my fourth fit to six probably be um, Cucurella for Brighton. Um, him coming from La Liga, it's a tough transition and for him to play that wing back role for them and he just took it on his own one goal one assist eight clean sheets jose saw you weren't a fan of him at the beginning of the year taking over for patricio but um what was his key this year was their defense and he had 11 clean sheets um a lot of those early in the year but still i think he had a phenomenal year and really held it down um we already mentioned um guimaras um coming in in january as well as kulisevsky um, those guys, five goals each, Kuliskovsky, eight assists, Gomez one assist. Those guys both played integral roles, um, halfway through the year to re-energize these clubs and to push them higher up the table. And my top two is between Diaz and, and Ronaldo. I think Diaz helped them Liverpool in the same way as the other two I just mentioned, push on to get back in the title race and, um, help them in the champions league as well. But, um, I think Cristiano Ronaldo coming back at the age of 36, now 37, um, back in United after uh, 12, 13 years, once after he left, and coming back and putting a big fat 18 um, goals right there on everybody's forehead. Also three assists, six in the Champions League, so a 24-goal season for him is light work at this point. It's like I don't even know why we doubt him. At his age, it's similar to Zlatan. Um, those guys just keep pushing because they just have that ultra-competitiveness that all top-tier athletes have. And um, Without him, we mentioned Sun. Without them, Spurs would have done awful. 
with Ronaldo, United might have finished 11th. Yeah, I I think that's definitely uh, fair to say. For me, I think it really is is just going to be um, Bruno Guimaraes. I think his impact at Newcastle, uh, although not felt immediately in a goal-scoring sense, was felt immediately in terms of shoring up that midfield. His creativity and his ability... Um, just his his passing, his passing ability. It's subtle, but it's it's so good. He shored up that midfield so well, and his finishing did kick up towards the end of the season. Um, he's just sort of a, a symbol of, of what's to come, I think, at Newcastle. A really good signing for 35 mil. I think that was incredible business. They could have overpaid, but they didn't. They waited. They pounced on him right before Arsenal was, um, you know, sort of, signing things up with him there was a lot of news about him going to other clubs and Newcastle pretty much at the last minute sort of swooped in and, and took him I think that was great business so uh it's going to be him for me honorable mentions definitely Dan Byrne I think um he was great for Newcastle as well uh Odegaard getting him for 30 million for Arsenal I think was incredible too um you know sort of uh, the prince that was promised for Madrid. He he never got a, a game for the most part um, when he when he moved in. And he was okay at Sociedad, uh, but I'm glad that, that we were able to get him on loan last season and then sign him up full-time here. He's really creative, uh, just sharp on the ball. It doesn't make a lot of mistakes um, and had a couple bangers this year as well. So those are, are, are my honorable mentions, but I definitely have to give it to uh, to Bruno. I think he just is going to be so important for Newcastle moving forward. He's going to be the backbone of that team. Uh, yeah, for sure. But I guess it's kind of weird to leave Ronaldo out, but I just think that United were so bad this season that his, his incredible season, because let's be honest, it was really good, is overshadowed by their just severe uh, underperformance all season long. Yep. Okay. Uh, worst transfer. Where are <laughs> we on that one? Because there are many. Uh, my list is actually smaller for this one. I kept it to four. Oh, I um, have like a million that come to mind. Uh, I didn't. I mean, I, mine was right off the bat. I knew who mine was. Um, Honorable mentions, if you want to consider them honorable. Hon- dishonorable mentions. <laughs> uh, Varane. He's terrible, United. I agree. He's he's like, I think he's like number three on my list. Uh, one goal, one assist, only five clean sheets. Terrible. Made about 20 appearances out of their 38 this year. Um, well, he couldn't have played all of them. He came later in the window, plus he had a bit of a knock. Um, but 22 appearances this year in the league, and um, pretty poor year. I mean, I think whenever he played, United definitely played better. But still, um, there was still that vacant of, or not vacant. There was still that void in the back that teams took advantage of. Um, Jaden Sancho, I think, would probably agree on that one. Three goals, three assists. Just, it's more so the my guys on my list. It's heavily based off the price tag and how they um, contributed to paying that back for their clubs. Um, for for the value he came in, an England guy um, had that premium tag on him to bring him back to the country. And like you mentioned, just the poor year United had, he had some sort of contribution to that too. Um, and he could have improved. I think he could have helped them a little bit more. Um, Jack Grealish, 
100 mil, three goals, three assists. We mentioned Foden um, having a tough time getting in the team, but he still performed well, nine goals, five assists. Maybe that's because he's he's been under Pep longer and, and understands the system better. So I can give that a bit of um, benefit to Grealish. Maybe, we'll, maybe I'll be more judgmental of him next year if he gives similar numbers. Um, and then I, I have to give number one to Lukaku. I mean, yeah. Just the the this guy probably had the most hype out of all the transfers in the summer to come in. I think arguably, um, definitely with the price tag, the most expensive of all. Um, only scoring eight goals in the league, pretty much not being a, a regular starter. More so to not playing the system fully, um, and also ideologically having differences with Tuchel about how he should play. Um, it was just. It was a disaster from the start after the I think I I think I was brainwashed after that goal against Arsenal. Yeah, it was good. it was good though. Yeah, I think just that was like, oh my god, he's going to be incredible 20 goals at least and everything unfolded as it did and now he's going to leave on loan. We're going to try to get as much money as we can back for him over a couple years now, but yeah, definitely the worst. Yeah, I think I think that's kind of the um, cupcake pick. It would be really easy for me to go out and say that Lukaku is the the worst move. Um, I think it was disappointing because of the money they spent, but I think that there are actually players um, that that should have been more important to a project than Lukaku was at Chelsea. Um, They have so many other players that they can rely on for goals, so many younger Uh players. And I know that he was there and he was... He was exclusively brought in to help us challenge for the title. And we still finished just as far as we did last year. I know. Um, he didn't. He, he, he was brought in for that purpose and he failed. And that's why I got him on there. And I think it's more so I have that bias because it's my club and I'm more disappointed about it. So maybe there's some things that should go to that too. I, I think at the same time that a lot of it kind of falls on on the manager there their relationship was not good not good ever at all do you think it was well i i don't i think we know but i don't think it was tuchel's idea to bring in maybe i think it, yeah. i don't think he was fully 100 percent i think it was more so the board and and, um, and the sporting director i think it was more of a, a brand move and a marketing move really and yeah could could sell more tickets and stuff and it was a market move. I don't know, similar to the Ronaldo one, maybe, but yeah, he had he had that track record that you could agree with the move. But yeah, I don't know. I thought after that first like two or three weeks that he was going to be incredible. I thought he was going to be the leading goal scorer. The yeah, way that he the way that he linked up with the wingbacks, I thought was insane. They made so much space for him, and he drew so much attention, and it was so good those first couple weeks, but. Things really fell apart. So I totally understand why you would say that. Um, for me, it was actually Leon Bailey. I think that was a move that I was super excited about for Villa. They were obviously looking to replace Jack Grillis, which is a huge loss for them. He was part of their identity. Um, I thought Leon Bailey coming in from, from Leverkusen, I thought he could do a decent job, but... It was actually terrible. Ings, Buendia, and Leon Bailey were all really bad acquisitions, in my opinion. Um, yeah. They did bring him in for twenty eight point eight mil, so not not a not a cheap player. You know, it, it wasn't unbelievable, but 
uh, almost 30 mil for, for the performance that he was able to put up, I just think, uh, comparatively, is not very good. He only had 14 games, one goal and two assists in those two games. He didn't start a Premier League game after December 1st extremely disappointing first season for Leon Bailey. They did bring in Gerrard, and he still wasn't able to get any sort of time under the new manager. So I think that's a failed experiment. Um, I was really looking forward to having a dynamic wing player out on the wing there to watch, and he was just not that. Only 14 games, and he was extremely disappointing in those 14 games. Yeah, and those three guys you mentioned in Ings, Buendia, and Bailey. they All average. They had 12 goals between the three of them, and Watkins had 11 on his own. Yeah, that's that's just not good at all. It's it's bad, bad news. Um, okay, so we have... Hey, who else was on your list? You said you had a, a lot of people. Oh, I did. Um, I thought Deli Alley, although he was on a free, was absolutely just foolish. I think Grealish was a terrible move for $106 million. Uh, Veron also on my list. He was abysmal this year. I know somehow they only managed to pay $36 million for one of the best defenders in the world, but he was so, so bad. Um, just not contributing pretty much anywhere. He didn't play a ton of games. He was constantly injured. Things were just a mess for Veron. Um, and then sort of like uh, uh, another strange one, because we didn't see him much, was Brian Hill. Um, or Gill, however you want to say that. I've heard okay. it I've heard it both ways for Tottenham. Yeah. He was useless. Like I think they shipped him back to Spain already. Um, didn't get a ton of time for them. He was really good uh in Spain. Just kind of a wizard out on the wing, really good offensively. I think he was he was abysmal for, for Tottenham and to pay twenty three million was just bad business when they were able to get Kulisevsky for um you know, later on in the season for more money, but uh, just like totally more ready for the league. And I think him and Benson Kerr were, were the signings of the season for, for Tottenham for sure. I think you can put Saul on there too. I Chelsea. mean, I forgot he existed to be honest with you. Yeah. I, w- did they pay for him? No, no, it was a loan. It was a loan, right? Yeah. He went back already. He may have killed his career with that. Well, so. He has like an eight-year deal with Atletico, so... Oh, I guess he'll be fine then. Yeah, he's, uh, he's doing good. That's insane. He was so... He really was awful. He only played, Dude. like, how many games? I mean, I'm trying to look. He's not even on the like roster five? anymore. I think I maybe saw him five... Maybe less than five times. He's a center mid, and most of the time he played left wing back. That's bad behavior. Straight up. Yeah, that was a yeah. useless one. Um... That wasn't even a bad transfer. It was a useless transfer. Yeah, I guess. Um, okay. What do we have last? Sleeper. Week? Sleeper. Who's your sleeper of the year? I think this one's the, out of all the awards, I think this is the 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 one I was most excited about because you can go a lot of different ways. Um, and I, I have like nine guys on my short list for varying reasons. Um. I guess the ones that are towards the bottom is Danny Welbeck for Brighton, I mentioned before, scored a lot of big goals towards the end of the year, took over for Mupai's spot, and really led from the front with that experience and helped Brighton push forward late in the year. Cornet, with what he offered to Burnley, he grabbed nine goals in a team that really struggled going forward and 
to get nine goals in the in the way that that team plays is impressive. Um, Kovacic is up there too. I think he broke out this year and kind of took over a lot more of Jorginho's minutes that he would have had. Jorginho had a Jorginho had a big uh, back step this year, or step back, I should say, in um, his progression with this team. And uh, potentially he'll probably be leaving after this year. But um, uh, Callum Wilson is up there too. Probably played half the year and still grabbed eight goals. Um, he's still that main guy for them. Ward Prowse is on here. Um, free kick merchant. Um, Antonio is up there too. I mean, this guy got 10 goals, eight assists um, in a team that heavily relies on him because he's the only striker. Um and uh, Rafinha as well. He's up there too. Uh, he had to carry leads. He had to carry leads on his back a lot of the time because all of his other guys, um, all I mean, all the other heavy hitters were hurt for the majority of the year, so he had to carry a big brunt of the weight. Um, and then I guess my top two would be Joel Matip, three goals, three assists, seventeen clean sheets, and he didn't pick up an injury this year. Um, we usually think. He's out for half the year with varying injuries, and he was very consistent this year and really showed that he's a class player, um, which I think a lot of people forgot, and us too. I think the beginning of the year we talked about, and even last year, maybe them shipping him because he couldn't stay healthy, and uh, now we know what happens when he's fully fit. But I have to give it to my boy Jamie Vardy. I mean... Yeah, that fuck, dude. That was mine <laughs> as I, well. I knew when I typed it in that you would pick him too. Nobody but I mean, talked about him. It, he just flew so far under he's, the radar. He's unbelievable. He had 25 appearances, 25 appearances, 20 of those being starts, yep. 15 goals, two assists, and he grabbed a couple in the um, in the uh, Conference League or Europa League, whichever they played in. But yeah, I mean, like you said, nobody talked about him. And nobody. It, it helped them climb up to an eighth-place finish where they should have probably finished bottom half of the table. Yep. I know. And he's 35. I am I, I don't even want to make an, an argument for somebody else because Vardy was mine. I I offered up that maybe we should we should do a, a Sleeper of the Year uh, award. And, like, right. I wanted to do it just because I think— Vardy deserved some sort of appreciation for this season because he was injured. He was in and out of the team. Leicester were hammered with injuries all year, and him him being injured was just such a huge hit because Iannaccio didn't really step up when I thought he would. Uh, we saw step-ups from, from guys like James Madison, who I think had a really good year, but um, Vardy, man, 15 goals in 25 games in, 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 in the Premier League and 17 go, uh, goals in all comps. I just think... It was an impressive year at 35. The guy produces at an extremely efficient clip. He's still really good, and I think he'll probably retire at Leicester. I just can't really see him moving anywhere else, but um, he's so talented, and he's just such a good finisher, and he's still quick. He, he has injury issues, but he's so quick and so consistent. I just I think he deserves the award 100%. Yeah, and he equaled his total last year yeah. um, in the league where he played 34 games and got 15 goals and nine assists. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm achieving the same number with almost a little over half of those games. Yeah. I mean, when he came back, his last like one, two, three, four, five, his last six games, he had five goals in six games. Like that's, that's super impressive at 35, I think, especially after being out for 
I mean, almost 11, 12 consecutive weeks before that. That's that's a real testament to, to his ability. Yeah. He was out for five games and then made two sub appearances and then was out another six games. Yeah. So, you know, 11 or so, let's say 11, 11 full weeks yeah. of, of no play and, and probably very little training. I just think to be able to come back and, and sort of pick back up that pace is extremely impressive. Um, and I think Lester have just so much to thank Jamie Vardy for. He's definitely still their, their talisman player. I know they've had a lot of good players move through there and, sort of move on or retire a lot of that 2015 team is not there anymore uh Bavardi is one of the guys that has has stayed there consistent along with Schmeichel and he is is just incredible I hope we get to continue to watch him because he is a guy you can truly never ever count out okay um I think that's sort of it uh this was yeah 40 minutes so pretty much right about about where we uh, thought this one would be. I, I thought this was a, a cool episode. It's it's nice to sort of do these little casual ones instead of yeah. the uh, the structured breakdowns, you know. Yeah, we're squeezing out every last bit of juice. So no, that's kind of it. That we can. Um, yeah, I guess for future episodes we can think about doing transfer talks, transfer rumor mill. Yeah, yeah. Um, Maybe some t- we'll bring back some tier lists. I don't remember the last tier list we did. Um, I know we've done like um, top fifty players in the world. Maybe we can do a new one based off this year, um, an updated one, and compare it to the one we did last last time. I don't know. I'm just shooting ideas live here. Yeah, I mean that sounds good to me. But we'll put stuff in the works. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening uh, to episode 136. We appreciate it. We'll see you next week. Uh, Thanks for bearing with us while we switch to recording days this week. We appreciate it. Make sure you check us out on social media at Post20Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can find all of the podcast episodes on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. We appreciate you listening, guys. Take care. Enjoy those first couple weeks of summer, and uh, we'll see you next week.